So a few years ago, I preached a message called Worship, Who Said Anything About Music? And that was kind of my starting point as I wrote this message, as I reviewed that one and I went through it. Um, so before I get started, let me, let me read you this quote from author John Ortberg. He says, I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. And I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude, and I plod through life with blinders on. I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. All right? So I think, I think we got everyone in the room covered with that quote, yes? No? Yes, I think we do, all right? Let me review real quick. Um, in case you zoned out while I was reading that and the words were on the screen. But we need worship because without worship, we shrink down our world to this me-centered view of what I need and what matters to me and God moving on my behalf. And we, we essentially default to this spirit of fear over faith. We lose sight of our faith and we, we turn to fear. We end up trying to make things completely on our own. Sydney actually sang and prayed about that this morning. We, we strive to accomplish on our own instead of just being still and worshiping. And so that is why we need worship, and that is why we need this perspective on worship uh, as we close out this series. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn them to Acts chapter 5. And we are going to take a look at the early church. We've been doing that this entire month. Uh, and we're going to see some of what they were experiencing as they were getting this off the ground, this new movement. It was not yet called Christianity. That name came much later. Actually, in the beginning, it was called The Way, which is pretty hipster and pretty cool. I wouldn't be opposed to going back to a name like The Way. I think that's pretty, pretty uh, appropriate for 2018. I'm sure there's churches called that. Um, but let me read to you from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I'm going to be reading from the message translation. We'll have these verses on the screen as well. But it says, Through the work of the apostles, many God signs were set up among the people, many wonderful things done. They all met regularly and in remarkable harmony on the temple porch named after Solomon. But even though people admired them a lot, outsiders were wary about joining them. On the other hand, those who put their trust in the master were added right and left, men and women both. They even carried the sick out into the streets, laid them on stretchers and bedrolls, hoping they would be touched by Peter's shadow when he walked by. They came from the villages surrounding Jerusalem, throngs of them bringing the sick and the bedeviled, and they all were healed. Okay, so here we read in Acts chapter 5 of the early church and their remarkable harmony. That word popped off of the page to me as I was reading it. How did they achieve this remarkable harmony? Essentially, we have a group of believers who came together in a very short amount of time. Jesus Christ was died, rose again, he ascended into heaven, and then told them to go wait. Uh, we have people who almost immediately submitted mutual submission to one another and achieved this remarkable harmony. Well, if you read down in verses 29 and also in verse 42, 
Verse 29, Peter and the apostles are speaking to Jewish onlookers, and he says, It's necessary to obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, the one that you killed by hanging him on a cross. God set him on high at his side, prince and savior, to give Israel the gift of a changed life and sins forgiven. And if you read down to the final verse, it says, Every day they were in the temple and homes teaching and preaching Christ Jesus, not letting up for a minute. So I think it's pretty, uh, pretty obvious by what Peter said, he's not doing religion as usual anymore, okay? When he says, the one you killed, he almost gets in their face. He's very resolute in what he believes. And he says, the one that you killed by hanging him on a cross. He wasn't doing religion as usual anymore, and neither were any of those that were submitted to the way. And I believe that's part of why they achieved this remarkable harmony. If you turn over to Acts chapter 2, and I know some of this is review from the last few weeks, but that's good. Review uh, helps us to, to get it inside of us. Starting at verse 38, you find Peter giving very specific instructions to onlookers who are questioning all that is happening among the disciples. So let me just read that. Peter said, change your life, turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our master God invites. He went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can, get out of this sick and stupid culture. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Other translations interpret that last word where it says they committed themselves to, they were devoted, all right? They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, the living of the life together, the common meal, and the prayer. Now, devoted is not a very popular 2018 word. I can't remember the last time I heard someone actually use the word devoted uh, in a sentence. And so let me just read to you from Webster's Dictionary. The word devoted means to be given over to the display, study, or discussion of something. All right? The early converts were immediately choosing to be given over to the display, study, or discussion of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. This is what they were choosing to do with their lives, their time, their talents, and this is why they were achieving this remarkable harmony, because they were devoted, they were submitted to each other. So let's study these examples uh, this morning. First, I think it is important for us to understand that this didn't happen independent of itself. Sometimes uh, we read the stories of the Bible and we, can, we don't naturally build the bridges as we as we read them. So I think it's important to understand that when Jesus Christ was here, he was teaching how things would be when he left. He was teaching what would happen. He was explaining how it would happen. And so uh, he spoke regularly about all of these things. He told the disciples plainly, and he told them also in parables. I think sometimes uh, the disciples can be our, the butts of our joke as we look and say, see, Jesus had to explain, and then he had to explain again, and then he had to tell a story to explain, and we can kind of laugh. But I think what's amazing about it, I don't believe that the disciples were especially bad at learning. I don't believe that the disciples were uh, especially simple. I believe the disciples were like us. I think that they 
prayed, they believed, they heard what God was teaching, they wanted it to be true, they leaned in, they experienced a breakthrough, and then life happened, and time got away, time from the event passed, and they needed to relearn it. Does that sound like anybody else's Monday through Friday, Sunday through Saturday, okay? So I believe that Jesus is showing us uh, through these stories, these examples, he was giving us foreshadowing on how life would be even for us. I know Pastor Nicole made the joke last week that if Peter were alive today, he might be a used car salesman, okay? So uh, I think it's important that we understand that these examples, these teachings that Jesus was giving them, he was giving them to show us how our lives would be. And to me, I think that should be extremely encouraging. Hopefully it is to you as well. Um, Because what this tells me is God can and God wants to do as much through every one of our lives as he did through them. Okay? God uh, is working in our lives, God desires that we would do the same and even greater things, he says in his word. And so that's a little bit of a side note, but I do think it's important that we realize that as we, as we look at the, the disciples, and sometimes, like I said, they can be the joke, they can be the, uh, the thing that we laugh at, but they truly are an example to us. All right, so back to my point. Christ was here. Christ did not just uh, live, ascend, and then leave everybody with what's going to happen next. Uh, He was very intentional. So if you flip further back in your Bible to John 15, this is one of my favorite chapters uh, to study this subject. And in John 15, I'm just going to start at verse 1. Again, this is from the message. Um, I have another Bible I like to preach out of, but this one is just kind of marked up with my notes, so it, it works uh, for, this, for this purpose. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing he prunes back so it will bear even more. We are, you are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you, and in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. For I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me, or when you abide in me, and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire, but if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is. Okay, so Jesus is telling us that when we abide in him, the harvest is sure to be abundant. And we're reading over in Acts 5 about this remarkable harmony, this abundant co-living and co-sharing of the Christian way so I believe that what we're seeing here, if we're building the bridge, is that the, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and then our devotion, our being turned over to, committed to, the study, the discussion, the display of him results in this abundance. Now, I think it's really important that we get a proper understanding of this word abundant. I didn't look it up in the Greek or find any of that or, or anything like that, but here's, here's what I do want to say. Um, we just sent a team to Africa, right? And that's, I would say that's a bit of a different culture. Michael, would you agree with that? It's a bit of a different culture than what we're living in right now. 
Um, and, and we are studying, or we're looking into all our different missions options for 2019, and there's all these different potential things that we could do. The word abundant, I would just say this, it has to mean more than what we think of on, in American terms. Would you agree? Like it can't, in our economy and in our you know, this has been manipulated and twisted so much, but in our uh, culture, our society that we live in, we have a tendency where our brain wants to go with the word abundant. I think we need to, to reshape that. I think that the word abundant needs to be, when Jesus is talking, this abundance has to work in all cultures, all economies, all societies. Would you agree with that? It can't just work for what, for what we say. I, he I heard a guy say one time, uh, listen, man, your may pop tires still may pop when you drive out of here, okay? So what, sometimes we hear this abundance thing and we think, great, so I'm going to hit every green light on Peach Street. Life's going to be great. I'm not going to have to struggle. That's not, what we're talking about is not uh, personal gain or things of that nature, but we're talking about an abundance that, that is, it works across all societies and all economies. And so abundance in the heavenly kingdom realm that Jesus is talking about here isn't necessarily what our brains might default to, but what he does promise and what does work across all societies, all cultures, all everything. Galatians 4, Romans 8, 2 Timothy 1. These are just a few places that you can find that he promises that we are no longer slaves to fear, to sin, but that we are his children. So those are just a few places that he tells us that we can shed this broken world and the fear that wants to come onto us. And we talked at the very beginning of this message about how we want to default uh, to fear, not faith. We get this me-centered view. But he's telling us uh, multiple times throughout the New Testament that through him, we don't have to live in fear. We're no longer slaves to fear, but we can live by faith in who he is calling us to do. That works in Africa. That works in Russia. Because everybody, regardless of your society, your economy, your culture, and different scenarios, obviously there's different levels, but across all of that, we all need freedom from this default mode of fear over faith. Would you agree? Okay. So I would say that what is so encouraging about this is that Jesus Christ is just saying here in, in John chapter 15, abide in me, make me your focal point, center your life around me and you will not know fear. You will know what it is to live from the security as my chosen child, all right? I'm preaching better than I'm getting amens right now, but that's okay. We'll, we'll keep going, I got more. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe, and I think I've actually preached this here before in one of my other messages, but I believe, and that Mark, I stole this from Mark Patterson, uh, success is doing the best you can with what you have where you are, okay? And so that's, that's his definition of it. Um, whatever you believe about success, I think we all could agree on this point. You have a role to play in it. If you're going to achieve any level of success in any endeavor, anything, you've got to have skin in the game. You've got to, uh, you're not going to coast to success. Let's say it that way, right? If you're coasting, you're going downhill, okay? So that's the opposite direction. Um, but if you're going to realize success in your daily Christian life, your journey towards the Father, then you are going to do it by stewarding who you are, what you've got, and where he has placed you. And that, like I said at the very beginning, that is worship. Stewarding who you are, where you're at, what you've got, 
that is worship. Pastor Nicole had a bucket up here last week, and she was explaining the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and I thought about uh, following suit and having a bucket up here, but we'd be, this is my point, and so you'll understand why I didn't do it. If you have a sponge, and the sponge gets dunked into water, and the water is called worshipful living, and you wring the sponge out, I believe the very final drop that comes out of that sponge is called stewardship. So you see why it would have been a little bit hard to everybody to we're just looking for one final drop. You get the point, though, okay? So um, I believe, and, and let's not even worry about what I believe. Let's go over to John 4 and see what, what Jesus said. That would be a, a better thing to do. Um, John chapter 4, starting at verse 22, he says, But the time is coming, in fact, it has come, when what you're called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter, but it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Okay, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Who you are, what you've got, where he's placed you. All right, so he is saying... Do you want an abundant, a worshipful, a spirit-filled life that pours into every nook of cranny, nook and cranny of everything that you touch? Then here's how you will do it. You will do it by stewarding who you are, where you're at, and what he's given you. Now, if you came in here today and you're looking for encouragement and you're saying, you're telling me that this is all on me. I have to do this. I have to, I have to it's, on, it's on me. No, I'm saying that to have success, you have a role to play in it. But I'm also telling you, and don't worry, Pastor Nicole vetted this message, so I'm not done. I'm going to keep going here. Um, but what I am telling you, in Acts chapter 1, he promised us the Holy Spirit to empower us to realize how we can steward our everyday life. And so that's why I say, when I come up here and we have this, these moments of spontaneous worship and um, I, I, just, I feel like we are so blessed. I mean, three weeks ago, we had a cajon up here uh, for percussion. Last week, we had two djembes. This week, we have the drums back. These pieces change all the time, okay? But what this is the variable to your worship experience, you. And so what is your heart posture? When you come in, what is, how are you coming in here? And so wh when I sit here, now I'm, I'm blessed and I have a little bit more of the story because I know these people, but when I hear songs start to come up that aren't on the sheet, that we don't have slides for, I know what's happening. I know that, you know, and I, this isn't about Sydney, but I'll, I'll pick on her or I could pick on Julia. Um, they worship that way Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And that's why on Sunday these new songs rise up out of them, okay? Because they're not... They don't just come in Sunday to bring what they've got. They're prepping all week. They sing that hard when they're in the pews, whether they're up here or not. And so that's why I say the variable is what you bring to the situation. What, what are you bringing? What is your heart posture like when you come into this place? All right. Uh, let, me get, let me get back on track with my notes, and we'll come back to that. I believe through God's grace and God's guidance and God's empowerment I'm able to think clearer, I'm able to work harder, I'm able to know more, I'm able to see those who need prayer. I've been in situations, I've talked about this before when I preached here, where God just said, you need to pray for that person. You need to at least engage them in a conversation. Maybe it'll go there, maybe it won't, okay? But you can still take an effort, you can do the best you can with what you've got, where you are, 
and we'll see what happens from there. Um, so, Acts chapter 5, remarkable, har- remarkable harmony. We will find that when we are all doing our best to abide in him. When we are doing the best we can with what we've got where we are in abiding in him, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not just Sunday morning, that is when we'll be coming in here on Sunday mornings with a different approach, a different heart posture. Um, we joked about the, the early apostles, the disciples, and how they can kind of be the butts of our jokes, and we can, uh, you know, we can talk about how they needed to keep learning the same message. God flipped the world upside down with those guys. This message went forward in spite of them. Pastor Nicole talked about Peter and how he denied Christ three times and all those different things. Um, it is when we are abiding in Christ that we will realize our abundant life. That's when we'll get to that place when we're fully devoted to him and who he is that we will start to realize that abundant life. Uh, we do these takeaways. What's the one thing that, uh, that if someone says, what was church about today? This would be the takeaway. The takeaway is that Jesus Christ is so set on your success in pursuing the Father that he's promised to empower you to do it through the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is so set on your success pursuing the Father that he's promised to empower you to do it through the Holy Spirit. Is that good news? So you have a role to play in success, but he's going to empower you to do that role. It's almost not fair. It's like cheating on the test, okay, which I never did. Um, But Jesus Christ came to redeem your spiritually bankrupt life. When he did that through his work on the cross, that's when he handed you the keys to this new abundant life. That's when he handed you this empowerment, this opportunity to be empowered to pursue the Father, your personal pursuit of holiness, and he would be the power to do it. All right. So this is why I say worship has to be more than just Sunday morning, just four or five songs, just 20 to 30 minutes. Um, Worship needs to be all day, every day. It's not just about music. Now let's talk about music, okay? Um, Tonight, we have a worship night at 6.30. This will be our third one this fall. They have been awesome. They have been, uh, God has moved. We heard uh, some, you know, we heard a word this morning. We've had that experience at our worship nights. Uh, Really, I just love what happens when we set time out of our schedules to just praise God and just see what he wants to do. Um, And he's more than deserving of that. Uh, There are places where they do that four and five and six nights a week. I'd love to get there. But more than anything, let's start. I'd love to see everybody return to this place tonight at 6.30 uh, for worship night, and let's see what God wants to do as we set aside time to praise him. Um, But whether it's tonight or whether it is Sunday morning, uh, it was the end of September, Pastor Nicole preached a message on worship. I would recommend that you jump on our media archives online and hear that uh, because it was spot on. It was so good. I would just say this, though, to come behind that. How can we come into this place and encourage those around us? She talked about corporate worship. If we're not doing it the other six days of the week, how can we come into this place with a, a giving attitude if we're, not, um, if we're not living that way the rest of the week? Like I said, I think that the reason we have the experiences that we do is because we have people up here that 
every day of every week. They're doing the best they can with what they've got, where they're at, to pursue him. And so it pours out and it spills out into these corporate worship settings. We need to come into this place with our hearts, our minds, and our souls centered around Jesus and just worship from a position of bringing honor to him. Let me be really honest. Every song we do up here is not my favorite song. I know that's Maybe that might have been a truth bomb for some of you. You might think every song we do up here, Quint shows it because he loves it. That's not true. Um, my, other, my other thought for a, uh, what do they call those? Example today was a trash can because that's where your preferences belong when it comes to worship, okay? That's where I throw mine uh, because the second I said yes to a part-time leading job four and a half years ago, I threw my personal preferences out the side. This was the question that I asked myself. I would challenge you to ask it to yourself as well. What does my heart posture need to look like to bring the Holy Spirit's movements into the room when we're participating in worship? That's what I strive to ask myself. Let me say it again. What does my heart posture, what does your heart posture need to look like to bring your Holy Spirit's movements into the room when you're participating in worship. That is really all that matters. That's all that matters for me when I'm holding a guitar and singing. That's all that matters for you. It is important that your heart and your soul's posture are correct so that we are moving towards that remarkable harmony that was achieved in Acts chapter 5. Let me read this, uh, this quote and then I'll wrap up and we're going to worship our way out of here this morning. But this quote's from A.W. Tozer. So good. He says, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So, 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes from God to strive for closer fellowship. When we come in here for worship rehearsal, I don't say, Sam, could you play an E? And then I play an E and I make sure my guitar is tuned to Sam's guitar and then we just go down the chain because that would fall apart very quickly. We all just separately tune to an outside standard. And by doing that, the music that comes forward is beautiful. That is what A.W. Tozer is talking about when 100 pianos are tuned to one simple little tuning fork, all separately, they're automatically in tune together. And when 400, 500 people come into this room and we're all doing the best we can with what we have, where we're at, Sunday through Saturday, Monday through Saturday, outside of this room, we will automatically be nearer in heart than if we tried to become unity conscious towards a goal or a thing or something that we were going to strive towards. Okay, so... I would challenge you, I would encourage you today to throw your personal bents out the window, strive to draw closer to God the Father through salvation from Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? And then we will begin to operate as a church family that has remarkable harmony. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this is what I would like to do. Um, I want to challenge you to leave different today. In fact, I think that's a really good, I put it here in bold, what good are these bold questions and challenges if we don't strive to leave here different? That's not for today. That's for every single week. 
There's no throwaway Sundays. There's no throwaway weeks. 52 weeks a year. What is the point of coming into this room if we do not strive to leave different than we came? We're on a personal pursuit of holiness, of personal change. And so I would like to challenge you to think on that, to think on how the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to pursue the Father, okay? Uh, and so this is how I'd like to do that today. We've been doing these, uh, we've had people come forward, and if you need prayer, you can come forward, and it's been absolutely awesome. Today I want to do what we do at worship nights. I want, I want to ask every single person in the room to stand up. We're going to close with the song we opened with this morning. It's called Spirit Move. And I want to ask everybody to just come down and flood this altar. And let's just sing, and let's just ask, and let's just pray that the Spirit would move in this place that we call our church, that he would do what only he can do, because that's why we come into this place. We come in here so he will do what only he can do. So let me pray as I wrap up this morning. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to praise you, to worship you. I thank you for all these people. And I would just ask, Lord, that you'd show us all how we can do the best we can with what we have where we are every single day. I ask that you would uh, challenge us, that you would show us how we can give back every day as an offering to you, and then we can come into this place not tuned to each other, but tuned to you, abiding in you and achieving a remarkable harmony. And so I thank you for that in advance. We praise you and we love you. Amen. Amen. All right, let's sing.
God, we just praise you in this place. I pray over every person in this room right now, Lord, that we would leave here fixed on this one thing, to see your goodness, to see your beauty, to know who you are, not just today, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and every single day, Lord. May your Holy Spirit empower us to live in the pursuit of you, to live abiding in you, not from our own strength, but from the strength and the power that you want to put inside of us. We praise you for this. We thank you for this. And we say, Spirit, move. Move in these lives. Move in this place. Move in this church. Amen.